This is Kings and Conquerors, an Age of Empires 2 podcast by Chris Mom and Pennebeusje. Everybody to the second episode of the Kings and Conquerors podcast, in which we will discuss the upcoming Red Bull Wololo Legacy Tournament. But this is not your average tournament. No, no. Red Bull Wololo has a v- storied history and a rich prize pool. And in today's podcast, we'll be discussing every detail of it. We'll start by explaining you the game mode Empire Wars and the settings of the tournament followed up by taking a closer look at the different maps the pros will be playing on. Then we'll move on to the pros themselves. Who are they? Who has the best chances of qualifying or making it into the playoffs? And who is our favorite? So please then, join us into the wonderful world of professional Age of Empires. We hope you'll be entertained. Welcome everybody to the second episode of the Kings and Conquerors podcast, a podcast where you listeners are the kings and we conquer different topics. My name is Pennenbeusche, or Pen for short, and this is my co-host Curse Mum. I'm not so sure, do you prefer if I call you Curse or if I call you Mum? Curse is fine. <laughs> curse is fine? All right. <laughs> yes. Mum might be a bit confusing. A bit strange, a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> uh, one day I will tell the story about this name, this strange name. <laughs> Don't worry. All right. Uh, let's do this, Ben. So, in the previous episode, we discussed the big patch update from last month, and we had a special focus on the balance changes that were made. And so, feel free to check that out if you're if you haven't already. We also want to thank all the people who provided us with feedback, as we are both new to making the podcast, and it is much appreciated and really helps us forward. It is your feedback that gives us the input and the drive we need that gets us craving to continue with this project. With that in mind, we would like to dedicate this particular episode to Gonzo for his warm-hearted message. Today, we will discuss the magical, majestic, magnificent and monstrous Red Bull Wololo Legacy 2022 tournament for Age of Empires 2. But maybe some of you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, so Kirst, maybe you can shed some light on this for our listeners? Yes, I think I can. Thank you, Pen, for that beautiful introduction. You're welcome. So Red Bull Wololo Legacy 2022 is an Age of Empires tournament uh, hosted in Heidelberg. It's a LAN event, meaning people are physically there and are playing over local network. Uh, it starts 21st of October and ends the 29th. And as you can imagine, it's hosted by Red Bull, the famous uh, energy drink company. We are not sponsored, by the way, uh, just so you know. The tournament is uh, administrated by Krasini and Lord Patito. And I think you can reasonably make the argument it's the biggest event of 2022. Also the biggest prize pool ever for Age of Empires 2 at $200,000. And it's actually not even 
the tournament is bigger than just Age of Empires 2. There's also an Age of Empires 4 and even an Age of Empires 1 part, which we will discuss probably more towards the end of the episode quickly. Uh, but it is not your average game of Age of Empires. We are not talking standard map, starting with your three villagers in the, uh, Dark Age. We are playing Empire Wars. Now, most of you will probably already know what Empire Wars is, but for those of you who don't, uh, Penn, could you quickly describe the game mode? So basically, Empire Wars is really interesting for all those of you who hate watching the same old boring Dark Ages all time, every game it starts the same in empire wars you start in the feudal age you have 28 villagers and a scout and loom is already researched you also have your blacksmith and barracks available so you can immediately go towards your military production there's also gathering points for all resources already there so you can also immediately go for your economy upgrades so basically just start with a balanced economy in the feudal age which is focused to quickly expanding your empire. Oh, objection, objection. Balanced economy, If <laughs> when I play this game or I see people play this game, the first thing you do is retask like a good percentage of your villagers. So how balanced is it? Um, you don't need a balanced economy. If you want to go scout, you want to gather food. If you want to get, you know what I mean? It's like, it's balanced. You get mm, some on mm. gold, some on food, some on wood. You, you have like a... It's right in the middle of it. So the retasking you have to do is not really that big. Uh, and it's also because they're already working. It's not like if you would start with 28 villagers and you have to task all of them manually, that would also be hell, right? So yeah. it's just like a basic village, very neutral. It's It could be for a fast castle. It could be for a scout rush, for man-at-arms, for archers. Like anything is open. It's like, right. Um, it's ready to go when you start a game. And you can immediately go for that stable or that archery range. So that's why you get those fast-paced uh, fast games. The, the aggression potential is really, really there. Also, walling is less viable. Well, it's still viable and necessary, but when you wall in Dark Age, usually, uh, unless you get a drush or anything, it's it's much safer. But you can't get drushed, right, in Empire Wars? <laughs> you literally cannot get drushed because it's a dark a dark age rush no <laughs> no because there's no dark age yeah the militia rush would be um not the best strategy but i i don't want to i i don't want to rule out anything maybe we will see it in the wallaloo but i don't think we will see militia um yeah um, no. i mean that would be quite uh interesting if we see some can you i, I don't know if you even have can build militia in the uh, empire wars are but you not, can, yeah. You have to do the upgrade for a man at arms. Or not. You could make like two or three militia and do the upgrade as you are moving forward to the enemy base, I think. But normally well, you don't make militia. It's it's not worth it. You no, go for scouts yeah. or archers normally in a 1v1. You lose the advantage of their speed, right? Yeah. Last year, I remember, um, like if you're a Bulgarians, they immediately get the upgrades. It was done like making a man at arm just because you can click it immediately. You have oh, a military unit oh. instantly. Also for like the um, the Mesosifs, really? they can go for the Eagles immediately. They aren't the strongest feudal age units, but just the fact that you can click them immediately is good to get something on the field as fast as possible. Or like a spearman is often produced also immediately for oh, scouting yeah. and just awareness. I think we should tell our listeners, the ones that are not very familiar with empire wars 
indeed, as you said, it's often a game of scouts and archers, right? Yeah, mostly. If you go scouts, you're going to take those villagers that are mining gold at the start. Uh, you're going to immediately task those to either build stables or houses or whatever, and then get your food eco going, get those scouts out and start harassing. And yeah, archers is, of course, the opposite. You're going to want to have a lot more on gold and you want to have steady production. Yeah. Now, we are really focusing on the feudal age aspect because, of course, that's a starting age. But does it mean that games do not go to the imperial age? Or what do you think? I think they do. But it's just that um, there's a bigger chance in Empire Wars to get a snowball going. And the snowball starts in feudal age. So the player who has the early engagements, and especially on the top level, the one who wins the earliest engagements has army on the field, can has map awareness, map control, can kill some villagers maybe. Okay. Like the straight walling up fast castling is something you rarely see on Empire Wars. Mm. You, you could, especially on some closed maps, but usually both players are fighting in Feudal Age. And sometimes you can see that whoever starts winning the game, unless there's like a comeback or a, a strategic unexpected move or like good mangonel micro like unless the player behind gets some things really going for him it's hard to just um if you're still on the same pace you will probably lose the game i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the empire wars i think that gives a, a really good idea of what the game mode is about but of course we still are playing with the same kind of civilizations the interesting thing if you look at the history so red bull wallow this organizer is the one that really pushed forward i think maybe even invented i don't know how that actually what happened but i think it was based on a concept of nilly really nilly thought out a concept like for a different game but i'm not sure if it's the empire wars concept before but he was also involved in like um the conversations with red bull okay okay they created this game mode and when they did there were some of the civs that of course start with an early game bonus so everybody knows the Mayans start with a bit more gold. Chinese have those extra villagers. So in the very first tournament, they didn't really know, I think, how to handle that. So I think they didn't want to have people always choosing these civs that have an early game bonus. So they banned them, mm-hmm. right? Um, that was, I think, in the very first uh, Red Bull World tournament. You couldn't choose Chinese, I guess. And that actually changed. Uh, they actually kind of programmed it so they didn't have their bonus. So I think Mayans, uh, Incas, uh, Chinese, they didn't start with... Uh, uh, wait. Incas have the extra llama, Mayans have the... Like whatever Dark Age bonuses were negated. Yeah, exactly. But then I guess they reversed that decision in a recent update that we discussed last week, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that completely changed the meta, I guess, in some ways. Because now those civs, I mean, they might have a big advantage, right? Yeah, it's it's actually um, the way it is now. When you start, you get whatever Dark Age bonus there was. So you, you talk about the extra villagers, but there's also civs who get extra resources, like Lithuanians, um, which also is mm-hmm. massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also civs who get some things when they advance in age. It's like you start in Dark Age and like a millisecond later, you're in Feudal Age. So you have whatever bonus you might get, you get. So it's like Ethiopians, you know, they get 100 extra food and gold, um, which is also a big boost to your early economy. And I think compared to the previous tournaments, we will have a very interesting Sif draft. 
Mm. I don't know what to expect, but I'm quite curious as to how these professional players view each civilization. I don't know if, like, Chinese, it's massive, the actual villagers, but is it as strong as it is in RM when you already have 28 villagers? Like, um, a village of five? Mm, it might be, but less, I think. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, it might be less percentage-wise, indeed. Yeah. I mean, it would be not the same, but still, in, in high-level play... Yeah, a villager is massive, yeah. But, of course, Empire Wars, the, the aggressive nature of the game mode makes it much more painful to not have those early resources, right? Yeah, I think just some civs who don't get either Dark Age bonus or um, Advancement bonus will really have a rougher start. Mm. Um, some of them, I think. I'm thinking like humans, they have the cheaper production building. Like, okay, you don't need an actual bonus, but like a generic Sith will really fall behind, I think, especially on this level. So, yeah, I'm quite curious. Now, just huh? to make sure I got this correctly, because I, I checked the updates. So what happened was Chinese and Mayans and all these Sifs had their bonus in the original Red Bull Wallolo. They banned the, the strongest ones, I think Chinese, mm -hmm. from being chosen. But the other ones were, I think, high tier options. Then in update 36906, <laughs> that happened in, uh, in, uh, sorry, that happened in da, 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 April 2020. Yeah, so that's right after the first one, I think. Yeah, yeah. basically, they changed it so that they didn't get their uh, bonuses anymore. Mm -hmm. So then you could take the Chinese Mayans, but they were just without the, these bonuses and that was the thing that recently got changed i guess yeah. i'm not sure was it always like this um the advancement bonus i think so right mm -hmm. that was never removed no 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 i don't think so uh, yeah it was always yeah. there okay so yeah we'll see if chinese and mayans and all these stuffs become big players or not I, i'm not sure chinese is still massive five villagers and then mayans maybe is not as big as you would think Persians. Uh... Yeah, Mayans are not as strong as they used to be. I remember in the old days, Mayans were just the best thing to ever play. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody was always on their Mayans. Now I feel they're beatable and they're not as, as overpowering. I think Vikings were, in my memory, like Ooh, for the later Wololos, right. Vikings were like the most banned or picked Sith for a long yep, time. Yep, yep. And maybe not on the five. On five, we had like the new civilization. It was like a new meta back then. But I think for the longest Red Bull Wololo tournaments, it was like Vikings, which was either most banned or most picked. Yes, indeed. Uh, the eco bonus with that free hand cart and free... Um, what's the other one? <laughs> free... Wheelbarrow. Yeah. Wheelbarrow is so good. Instantly. But the nerf to their archers kind of hurts them, no? I find... Uh... It is, it, you do feel the difference in the Vikings. They're still good. But that's Castle Age, right? So... Yes. Um, if you can still go archers, you don't get the thumb ring. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we discussed it previous episode, like it's impossible to get crossbow, <laughs> thumb ring, and um, botkin by then, is it? Yeah, uh, all at the same time. Let's, so Let's uh, put a pin on that, because I definitely want to come back to that at some point. Okay, we'll see. yeah. So, um, okay, moving on from the game mode. Uh, of course, this is a tournament played at, with specific settings. Mm -hmm. So it is a 1v1 tournament, no team games, I'm afraid. Uh, Conquest, of course. Interestingly enough, though, they put a time limit on the matches. So I don't think that's... Maybe that's standard. I, I, I'm not sure. I just, for me, it's something... I think that's pretty unique. 
yeah, it's something unique, right? I, I also thought so. I think it's to make the games, um, you know, end. Because <laughs> everybody remembers those MBL. 20, no, how many hours were, does he play against Hera sometimes? Four hours or more? And also, like, um, I think it's either encouragement for players to try and make a move to break the stalemate and take the mm -hmm, risk of it. Mm -hmm. um, and also... If there's moves where you can't finish off your opponent, like the, the island games where you have Portuguese with Vittorias, that's something you will not see on uh, the Wallado yeah. games. Like those really long games where one player is really turtling and the other one is trying to break him because they know in the long run the turtle will like have more resources or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we, we, we might have to mention what it actually means, the time limit. So that means that score becomes important. So it's the one that has the highest score and score is affected by uh, exploration, uh, resources that you have in your bank, um, how many KD. Un units you killed, yeah, indeed, all this kind of things. Now, do you have any idea how long the time limit is? A bit over an hour, I thought. It was previously. Do you know it exactly what it is 900 now? 900 years. 900 years. And they're playing on 1.7 speed. <laughs> no, I did so. the calculation. <laughs> I actually okay. used the, the 200 years as a wonder victory, and mm -hmm. that is 16 minutes and 40 seconds. So I used my little calculator. It's one hour and 15 minutes. Okay. That's yeah. the limit. And considering they start in feudal age with a basic economy of 28 villagers, I think one hour and, what was it, 15 minutes is actually quite a long time for the yeah. game. I think it's enough. Wow, you'd be surprised. I mean, I've, I've been watching Hera, I think, practice a lot. And I do notice a lot of those games do end up taking a while. Like, it's, it's surprising, actually. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing they have this limit. Yeah. Um, I think they did it because Red Bull wanted those fast-paced games, which is also a reason why they picked Empire Wars. It's, for me, it's amazing, no, to think that this tournament has impacted the main game. Like red, like you can choose Empire Wars as a competitive format now. You know? That's inc incredible how they impacted it. Yeah, I think Empire Wars was already included in the the game, but more like a mini game thing or for the lobbies. Right, you're right, you're right. And then about a year ago, they removed the deathmatch ranked system and replaced it with an Empire Wars ranked system. And I think this is mostly because of the Red Bull tournaments were so big at the time. And five five players were very upset, and uh, thousands of players were silently <laughs> happy. I think. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> before we move on, you 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 wanted to say something about the colors. Now, mm -hmm. Why? I mean, I was looking at the rules of the legacy tournament, and I could find that it was yellow and um, and uh, shit. And blue. Yeah, it was yellow and blue. That's what yellow I saw and blue. in the yeah. rules. Yeah, um, so tr normally um, when you have colors, usually it's blue and red. Like the one player is blue, the other one is red. And in Red Bull, previously they had like a different system. They had yellow and uh, red, which were like the Red Bull colors. Mm -hmm. So all, all previous tournaments, it, it was always red and yellow. And now they switched it. And I think it's for visibili visibility. Mm. So now it's blue and yellow. But yellow, I think, is a difficult color to see. So like, on certain yeah. maps, they will switch it, as I understood it, like yeah, for visibility. Oh, really? Uh, when there's a lot of water or something? Uh, like yellow, in, I think more like um, 
desert maps or something. Ooh. Is yellow not harder to see? Yeah, camo- um, they're camouflage the hills. Yeah, <laughs> which can't be. Yeah, I think has to be avoided. No. Wait, just a completely random thought, but mm-hmm. is there some game mod where you can have your villagers running around in camo? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> oh. like, they're completely like wearing camo gear. <laughs> Maybe even like chameleon gear, so yeah. it changes the colors. Yeah, but you should still, you should see them on the minimap, I yes, think. Yes, yes, like, yes. But you mean just like the different skins? Yeah, like, like a skin where yeah. they're wearing camo gear. Like completely, <laughs> like when they don't move, they become yeah. a forage bush. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like oh this is just a forest version it's like no no <laughs> or a tree <laughs> they become a tree that would be pretty um good for like community games or whatever to have like these random mods yeah. uh like imagine like in a, in a black forest black forest type game where you sneak a villain and just yeah, one yeah. of the trees <laughs> in the forest <laughs> You could do like a Spanish sneak attack, supremacy builds, <laughs> like a whole forest comes alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it's just a random, uh, random yeah, thought somehow. Just on the spot. All right. So we're talking about Black Forest. Yeah. Um, is that um, one of the maps would be good. the people yeah. will be playing on? <laughs> no, thankfully not. Um, it's us- uh, As we said about the game modes and the time limit, Red Bull really... Ha- brings some fast-paced games or not all of them but most of them really are fast-paced so um the maps they play on a lot of them you can also find on the the ranked pool for empire wars but there are some special maps so i'm gonna go over them alphabetically and maybe just go over the the known maps a bit shorter and then with a special focus to so the... before we move on to this next segment about the maps we would recommend anybody who is able to look up the image of the maps we will be discussing so you have a visual aid we will put a link in the description like yeah. um link so in bio yeah yeah, I can't wait to hear what is this map. It's Arabia. I've never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Arabia is the most standard map. Um, usually you have pretty balanced resources, some hills on the map. Um, people know it from um, RM. On Empire Wars, it will be a bit harder to wall than it is on RM. Yeah. So yeah, maybe early aggression has a bit more of a payoff or, or reward. Hmm. Um but um, what's also interesting here is that they replaced Arabia with runestones uh, for the previous tournament, which was... Yeah, indeed. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, runestones, um, it resembled Arabia. It was pretty standardized, but it had less hills. It was a green map, a relic in the middle. It was, I feel, very balanced runestones. Yeah, but like, I like the unbalanced With the hills. hills. I like them. Yeah, I like them Arabia can give you more of a bad map, which also... It, it gives more interesting games than just runestones, I think. Yeah. yeah, because at that point, you might be unlucky when you have the hill in front of your base, so you need to adapt. Yeah. So, I mean, it might put you in a disadvantage, but that can make a match that might be kind of predictable otherwise uh, more interesting if you have one of the top dogs playing, uh, you know, one of the lower-ranked play- players. It could could give them an edge. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, it could also happen the opposite way, and then it's just a stomp. But uh, these fun. people can really their early scouting is is done quite quickly, and they immediately know, oh, my gold is here or there. This um, I'm gonna play like this, and it will they will adapt properly normally. Yeah, I see this other map, Atacama. It, it looks a bit like a Four Lakes clone, right? But smaller lakes, I don't know. Um, yeah, 
um, falls far smaller. I think Atacama is is very different from four legs. I think the legs are there, but they're way less important. Mm. The main thing is wood on Atacama. So resources are plentiful and scattered over the map, but the big thing about Atacama is there's only one area where there's big wood lines, and that's the center of the map, which is also open, and you can it has like um, passages through, which makes sure that you're, if you go there to cut lumber, you're also really vulnerable with your villagers. Oh, that seems, seems like a great map for scout rushing, no? Yeah, and towers as well, and like towering towers wood lines, yeah. Mm. Um, so oh. I think a very aggressive map, um, which is a bit different. Denying wood normally isn't the biggest thing, but on this map, if you could deny the wood lines in the middle, it can really um, have a big impact because then you need to like cut the very small patches uh, all over the map, which is is really bad long term. It looks like a map that's going to end in feudal age most of the time. <laughs> Compared to that, I don't think enclosed will be as uh, quickly over, right? <laughs> Uh, no, um, but I think we skipped one, right? We skipped um, acclivity. acclivity. I if we do it, alpha, it. Al alphabetically. Yeah, we can go back to acclivity first. Yeah, so we don't forget it if we do it in an alphabetical way. Um, acclivity is is a bit like you have um, quite mirrored maps, a bit balanced. I, I see the woods on the in the sides as well. Interesting. Yeah, woods on the sides. I think it's a map where. Elevation is also a point, but it's not like the patches on Arabia. It's like entire lines of elevation. So if you can castle the elevated zones, if you mm. like Tatars, um, if you have a bonus for it. Um, acclivity, I think a pretty open map, um, but with more um, standardized elevation. That's the thing. I have to say, I'm quite a fan of enclosed. I know it's the walls are not as solid as on Arena, and the fact that you have the safe wood line in the back means that you don't have to worry too much about it. And also in the late, late game, you can do fun stuff with like onager cutting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's a fun one. Uh, hope, hope we get, uh, we actually, we haven't discussed like how do, how do the pros choose their maps? Is it like they both have two, three choices? They have drafting systems. So it's usually based on whoever is the, are they seated? I think they are, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they get mm -hmm. a seat. And yes. then, uh, because last time it was based on their previous Red Bull performances and Viper had like a really low rating for strategy, I remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the memes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they get like a rating and then they get a seat. Um, um, well, basically, I think it's the same system like it is with SIFs. You ban maps and you pick maps, I think. Okay. And then the first map, I'm not so sure how it's decided. This is Arabia, probably, right? And the map for game one is always the remaining map. Ah, okay, like this, yeah. But oh, that's even better. I don't know how that works. Then. That's the map, you favorite your home maps, and then the map that's left over, probably, um, how many maps are there exactly? One, yeah, two, three, like four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There are 11 that's maps. 11 maps, so... Um, well, it's every game in best of five. Or what? No, no, it starts with best of trees. The group stage is best of three. And then I think it will be a system. Probably you ban more in the early rounds and then ah, later you ban yeah, less. Yeah. And okay. then it's a system like this, I, I, I suppose. Okay, maybe at the end we can see uh, both pick one map we think will be the least popular and the most popular or something like that. No? I don't know. Yeah. And I, and I think that like the starting map will always be like pretty balanced like this, I think, because nobody favorites it. 
nobody mm-hmm. bans it. So I think it's a good system. And it, it brings more variety than always starting on Arabia. Moving on, Frigid Lake. Is that that horrible map with all the boars in the middle? Or not? Am I wrong? There's boars. like this one map. I um, know oh, that's not that, that one. Right, you have like all the boars in the middle. And it's like super competitive against the boars. And when we played in Wandering Warriors, you know, remember? Yeah. Uh, no, Frigid Lake is... Uh, ah, yeah, I remember. Because it looks like it, yeah. Yeah, it looks uh, like no, it. No, 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 no. It's not a nomad map. It's... um. It's like, um, it's a bit like if you would say um, the golden swamp, but without this, but without the gold in the middle. Ah, it's just a TC's... pool of water in the middle. Okay. Yeah. And your TC is also standing on this weird water, no? You can't build farms around your yeah. TC. Oh, yeah, fish okay. around the TC. Okay. So you can start fishing immediately, um, which makes it hard to farm <laughs> after the fish is depleted. Yeah, it's annoying. Um, and then you have some hills around your base. In the middle, there's water. So you can either go for a dock or not. But if you go for a dock in Empire Wars, you need to keep in mind that your opponent might as well be go to, going scouts at the same time while you're investing into some fishing ships. So it's a hybrid map, I feel. But the water isn't very big. Um and I think it's more open than it seems because of the water next to your TC. Um, it's quite unsafe as you move away mm. to other resources. So I think scouts on this map might actually be a scout rushing map. Now, the thing is, maybe this is a good moment to uh, come back to our fighting point, which is to give the Dravidians that faster fishing bonus that the Indians used to have. I mean, I think we need to repeat this every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, indeed. This would be this would make them actually interesting. Justice for Dravidians, you said that time. Justice for Dravidians. I love them, actually. I'm starting to play them a lot on Nomad. If I get to choose, I choose them. I mean, I don't think they're great, but I just like playing them. I don't know why. For those who don't know what we mean, we were talking about um, how Indians had the way they, they fished faster with their villagers. Mm-hmm. And now Dravidians, they just can hold more fish. So it's not really the same. And... Yeah, you wanted to give them increased... faster fish income. Exactly. It does make them slightly more efficient, but it's just annoying. Just give them the 10% bonus. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> do it. Anyway, Kawasan. <laughs> Kawasan. And oh, that's the one where you fight a little bit on the water because you have like the early docks and you do a little bit of water. And often it's the one that's, that, I mean, actually, in, in the end, the water almost never matters and they just fight on land. Well, it huh? depends. It depends. It's the one where I defeated you with uh, Bengali <laughs> elephants and you said, oh, but you had fish, but that was RM. So Empire Wars will be a bit different. Um, I think there's a few things to note here. It, mostly that it's not really an open map because you have two pools in the middle, which mm. um, give like it's a natural walled, barrier, right? easier walled. On the sides of the map, you can cross a pool or you can go through the middle. And through the middle, there's one big hill with a lot of berry bushes and a lot of relics. Ah, so ooh, Franks. Yeah, Franks and Lithuanians. If you can um, conquer the middle uh, on the way to castle, you are guaranteed you get all the relics. Like mm. Sifts with relic bonuses also have really much uh, the incentive to go for the middle early. So Aztecs and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think this map is... Well, we will probably see race and villager kills, but I think map control is the is a big thing on this map because mm. by conquering the middle of the map you get the fish you get the berries you get the relics you get the reward really and don't forget that there is fish in this map you yeah can, there is or fish. you will have the humi- humble experience of losing to 
Stupid Bengalis. Um, I remember uh, Hans used to be a, a favorite Sif here. And then okay. CA usually because of the mobility and because the map is actually, it's not really a close map. There's still, um, it's it's hard to really control the middle. You can wall the sides, but the middle is always open. But now that they've changed Hans and they start with less wood, I think that's a big nerf for the Empire War start. So I'm not so sure if they will still be the most favorites or one of the most favorite Sifts here. Something to look out for. Now, I have no, I wish I could talk to you about Moras, Moras, Morris. but I just have no idea about Moras. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you know about Moras? Um, well, I haven't seen that many feudal games with it. Um, well, what is it? It's like a sword. Ah, yeah, yeah, what is this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's one of the new maps. In the middle of the map, there is wood. And then around the wood in the middle, there are uh, small fishing spots. But that's a map where faster, faster uh, working fishermen would actually do a big thing because you you do it with the villagers. It's like the mm. the spots just in the earth. And then all around the map, there are resources. So gold, stone. I think the main issue here will be the early food economy and the fish. And you're also quite close. So I think people will try and get like a fish boom going with villagers and mills and deny it of the other one. So I think it might be an aggressive map. For me, I, I think what I see is if you just look at the center, right? You have this uh, mm -hmm. brownish, you know, region with the wood in it. Mm -hmm. To me, it resembles... Yeah, that's where the fish is. Yeah, to me, it resembles some kind of cartoon figure, no? <laughs> I see like, you know, the body, then you have a cat type head. You have to tilt your head slightly to the... To the right, but do you see it? Like you have legs and arms. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's my that's my input on more ass. Okay, um, Northern Isles. Maybe I can do this one. All right. So this looks like a water map. Uh, so it's going to be important that you go for a fish. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's gold in between and a little mm -hmm. island. Mm -hmm. Maybe some relics there as well, probably. Um, so yeah, it looks like a, a water map that's not going to be chosen. I don't. Uh, I don't think. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, there's a big difference between Northern Isles and Islands in the Empire Wars. It's in Northern Isles. You also start with a transport ship. Ooh. And since it's that. Empire Wars, you already have the. Bar you can immediately uh, cross Ooh, and build your land. archery range. Or so it's like on normal games. You have by the time the first one reaches feudal and goes for the. The naval military, you can really get the advantage. And the one who controls water can sometimes really go, uh, get a lead. But in this game, there's a very big potential for like a sneak. <laughs> uh, Still, it's probably my vote for the map that will go to the time limit the yeah, most. No? Yeah, probably. Because you can get into the situations where nobody can cross the water and you're just endlessly fighting. Yeah, I think so. Maybe enclosed or something. No, because enclosed you can't wall over the... The certain area oh, in the middle, heat. so you can't full wall. Um, this is a map where it can get stalemate, but I don't think it will necessarily happen because of the landing potential. I think it might be hmm. quite I different from the islands map, island maps, which we see in other tournaments. So outcrop, it looks like a map with a lot of hunt, no, on the sides. Yeah. So Mongols could be very good there. But what is this wall? This cliffs that i see so basically it's like you start on on normal elevation but there's like a valley down towards the sides where there's a lot of resources 
but you need to move out of your starting base to really access them. So you won't do it in Feudal Age, but I think players will try and get their town centers more in the valleys towards the sides of the map. So really mm. move out or migrate a part of their eco, um, which is either greedy or you will need map control before you can do it safely. So okay. again, I think it's a map where when you're in Castle Age and you get the resources, you can get that snowball going. But if you're in Feudal Age and you get the, um, the advantage there, you can try and deny resources or use your map control. I've seen some games on it and it's quite difficult sometimes to <laughs> to keep a full vision because there's a lot going on. Like you have your own base, then you can try and migrate. You have your opponent's base, but because they are making like bases somewhere else, you it's hard to keep a vision of it. So sometimes mm. you can see some, yeah, some nice, um, the games um, go in a unexpected way. Interesting. Okay, thank you for your explanation. Now, the next map, I actually... No, I've actually played it on Empire Wars game mode already. So that's uh, Shoals. So Shoals, you have you start with a dock and a fishing ship, and also a sea tower, which is like a special tower that is there to protect your 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 fishing ship. You have water that's traversable. There's a couple. I not there's some small pathways that you can use to traverse with land troops in the middle. And you have two gold spots on the sides, a bit like a, a golden pit uh, style. So you have gold in the middle, You're not so much gold in your base. So it's quite an interesting map because with the sea tower, it makes rushing with fires much more difficult because you have that tower that can help protect uh, your fish. So we already discussed in the patch update last week uh, last episode, that we think galleys are the way to go here because you can snipe them, you know, from a distance without getting as much hit by the tower. And you can even use those galleys to protect a little bit the gold on the piles on the sides. So, yeah, it's one of those maps where you have to secure the gold, uh, fortify it, maybe t TC or castle drop somewhere, you know, in the sides and, and get set up. I think you can win this map ignoring the water. Um, if you just get a good grip on the gold. Uh, so, yeah, interesting map for sure. Yeah. Um, also, a big thing to note why the water is less important here is, um, first of all, the sea tower makes it hard to fully win water when you invest into it. Second of all, the um, all the fish is uh, shore fish. So there's no deep fish in the middle. So I think people will try and get their keep their fishing ships alive, maybe fight a bit on the water, but they won't go the full on. And then, yeah, um, I'm quite curious as to what how the pros play it because it, it's a relatively new map and we've discussed it mm -hmm. and we we had some differences in our in our in our opinions <laughs> like how would we, we approach it? So yeah, I'm curious what this the, one this map has my pick for being most interested in seeing how the pros are gonna play it. I think mm -hmm. yeah, just strategy based. You mean right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. because. Actually, the map I think will be the most entertaining to see is the next one, if you're ready to move on. Yes, please, yeah. tell me. The bull. Have you seen any <laughs> matches on it yet? No, it's, yeah. I'm completely surprised seeing <laughs> yeah. this image. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's inspired by the sponsor. <laughs> mm, because uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, you have no idea. Maybe I don't <laughs> think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, because the the map actually is, um, it looks like a bull. Like the wood lines are like a drawing of a bull, but underneath its ears, there's an opening. 
So either you chop through the the lines um, of the pool, or you move through it. Um, and in the middle of the pool, there's gold and resources. Then yeah, okay, yeah, okay, keep going. The, the so our listeners should have an image of a pool. Um, in the middle of the pool, there's gold, and then the players spawn right in between the horns of the bull. So <laughs> exactly next to each other, very, very close. <laughs> yeah. Um, so aggression is very, very much um, a possibility. However, if you are able to hold your base and move out a bit more greedily towards the top, in between the players, there are uh, patches of fish to gather with like mills and, and fishermen. And towards the sides, in the east and the west of the map, there are really ponds where you can make a dock and fishing ships. Even though you're next to each other, there's some incentive to move out um, for the sides, which gives you, maybe it it feels risky, but it can give you a big um, resource snowball to use because you're really next to each other. My God, but wait, this map, so it's fish on top there in the north. Yeah, in the north, there's fish. I thought it was hunt or something. No, 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 fish. Wow. Which is also, I think, there's so much potential for aggression because underneath the ears of the bull, if, you still are, if you're still looking at the image, you can access the woodline without chopping through, like the, the center of the map. And then you can tower the backside of the woodline of your opponent as well. So this map has so much potential for um, feudal engagement. I wonder yeah. what happens if you just wall off from the tip of the horn mm-hmm. to the edge of the wall and then under the ear, you know, you have a whole eco quite safe, right? Like, I mean, you could wall it mm-hmm. off. Okay, maybe... Wall off the center, you mean? Imagine you're the red player. You move left, you tiny wall there on the north mm-hmm. from the horn to the side of the wall. Then you wall the ear hole and you wall, and you wall like uh, left, left of the mouth. You have a whole half of the map walled off quite easily. But you don't have much gold. Ah, I didn't think about that. Also, I think players want to deny each other's resources. It's just basically this map has resources all over the map, but players are close to each other. Mm -hmm. So constantly they can pressure each other. So whoever has access to the fishermen on the north or the fishing ponds uh, towards the side or the gold in the middle can really use it to immediately (laughs) create army, get the decks. I think this map has so much potential for aggressive games special games all in strategies yeah i'm really most excited to see the games on this map personally because it's such a special map it's so we need to see if it's possible if you have berbers with a faster walking speed if you can get into the bull's head and to the other ear and wall it off before the other player can get there but i think it's shorter for the other player right normally mm. now maybe you can walk there wall it off and then try to kill the his villain is in the middle and then tower you know his back woods or something i don't know it's very interesting also um the the players it's quite easy to chop through the wood i think normally and mm. and not instantly but like by the time you are somewhere in castle age you should have chopped through and be able to access the bull without walking the distance. So how do we know this map is not a tribute to our beloved caster map? Ah, yeah, that's also, yeah. Could be, yeah. It's Could created be. by Krasini, so um, 
Krasini will we'll ask him. Tell us we'll who, ask who inspired him. We'll yeah. Him. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, that's good. So we went over all the maps somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting things. So, which map are you? Uh, do you think is going to be chosen the least? Let's start with that one. What's your pick for least. least popular? Mm, I think Northern I No, I'm not sure actually. Um, I think Morris. Mor Morass. Morass or Morris, yeah. It's true that the newer maps have less time to be tested, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, you might have a point, but I'm still going to stick to... I will I will choose Northern Isles. Yeah. Uh, being that people love to hate on water. Yeah, I, but not everyone. No, I know, but, you know, Tato is only one player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Viper is also someone who would... I think... Uh, yeah, but Maybe we'll just, see. Leary will definitely not pick Northern Isles. I'm <laughs> quite sure of it. Yeah. So we both have our pick for least chosen. What is yeah. your most chosen map? You think will be chosen? Or no, let's not do that because it will be mm -hmm. Arabia. Let's yeah, just I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite map? Let's do that. Yeah, my favorite map will be the bull, I think. Maybe yeah. after the tournament, I will say something else. But uh, right now, I think the bull will be my favorite map. And I will stick to my beloved... I'm not sure actually. Actually, I don't know. Let me think. I think, strangely enough, mm -hmm. I might go for enclosed. I know this enclosed. is very yeah. weird, but I, I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I want. I'm gonna pick enclosed. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, a lot of games to look forward to. That's exactly. For sure. Yeah. Now that our listeners, we've discussed the game mode, Empire Wars, the settings of the tournament, and the maps the people will play on. But of course, that leaves the players themselves. Who are they? What drives them? <laughs> uh, and who has the most uh, ch likely chance to win and take home the big prize? Mm -hmm. So let's start uh, discussing that. So as we discussed before, there's a huge prize pool, $200,000, uh, I guess. Uh, in mm -hmm. total so i mean people are going to bring their a game um but who are the people that are uh, are coming and how are they divided four people actually are automatically invited because they've won previous red bull wololo events and that's um yo who won the first red bull then leary won the second and the fourth and then doubt won the third and the fifth was won by the Viper. So those four players were automatically invited to the Legacy event. That seems correct to me. You know, you want to have the 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 winners come back to see if they can defend their honor and their crown. Mm -hmm. And then there were some tournaments which uh, also allowed people to qualify, which were, were the resurgence performances and the RMS performances of players. And I think T90's Titans League as well. Yeah, indeed. So... Indeed. People who were really performing well there and qualified that way. That's, um, I think, Hera, Tato, Veles, Finchester, and that's, that's it, it. Right, that's it. Yeah. Now, you know what I find interesting about that? Mm -hmm. Because when the resurgence started, um, Red Bull Wolo Legacy wasn't yet officially announced. Yeah. So then when it was announced, it was like it was added to the price of winning Resurgence. Yeah. And I think like the Resurgence was really um, 
introduced by Jordan to try and revive the game right after a lot of people switched to Age of Empires uh, 4 or just he wanted to breathe new life into it. And I think his tournament, the way that it was now linked to the Red Bull event, which was announced, it just, it really did what it was supposed to, right? For sure. He, 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 yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the player count and everything, the game is alive and kicking. Mm. And I think the, the, it's just a funny thing. I was wondering if, if the organizers knew and they must have known, but it's just like, imagine you're playing and suddenly the prize gets lifted that much. You're like, oh, wow, now I'm serious. Just being able to participate in um, Red Bull Legacy now already boosts your prize pool, right? Yeah, for sure. Just by performing in it. So it's yeah, a big thing. I mean, I would just be happy because you will get this uh, customized banner you know, with your yeah. name. Yeah, I mean, just for that, it's already worth going. <laughs> Who gives about any prize pool if you can get a miniature trebuchet <laughs> when you win, like the one Viper got last year? Do you remember? Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. the real prize. That's yeah. why you do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, nobody's safe if you have that miniature trebuchet. <laughs> <laughs> they can hide in their castles. Like so. your neighbors. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, it's six in the morning and you're you're doing the lawn. Poopa. <laughs> trebuchet. <laughs> Okay, uh, so those are the ones that qualified you to their performance. Then yeah. there were, of course, the qualifiers, uh, a series yes. of events. Uh, actually, a lot of this happened non-streamed, right? Because I saw they started with, I think, 500 people or something crazy. Yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah so it really uh, went down to the to those last couple of uh, finalists. Mm -hmm. So the people that, were, uh, that got selected from the open qualifiers are Kapoch, Daniel, MBL, Nikov, ACCM, Jordan, Sito, and Valas. So that ends up with a total of 16 players for the Red Bull World Legacy Tournament. That's a lot. So we can expect a lot of games. Um, and they've divided those 16 players into two groups, which is something I might like, actually. Yeah just to keep it a bit streamlined. I wonder, do they have a situation where it's like a, in the FIFA or whatever, where they put like certain, uh, you know, certain teams from a higher division, so they split them over the groups so that it's not, you know, all the heavy hitters in the same group. I see it's color-coded, so I think it is. I think the qualifier people need uh, four qualifiers in each group, two uh, from the tournaments, and then the two uh, automatically invited. Yeah, yeah so it's two invited, it's, it's balanced like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically, Group A that will be Daniel, Doubt, Jordan, Nikov, Sito, Tato, The Viper, and Winchester. Pretty decent. Well, they're all decent players, so it will <laughs> automatically be competitive. But um, yeah, really, I think just looking at the group, I'm already getting excited like for some matchups. <laughs> like Tato, Jordan and the Viper being in the same team, it automatically hmm. spark. Like, are there GL players in the other group? Uh, I don't see any. No? no, so all GL players are in the same group. It's actually quite unlucky, no? Because that means that they might end up eliminating each other. It's not what you prefer. They're professional enough to do it anyway without holding grudges no no i know i know but i'm just saying but as a team it's it's not perfect not ideal it's actually yeah. quite interesting because you know having the people that test together play each other means that they might have to be forced to use unconventional strategies 
uh, which might give us some very entertaining games. No, they also know each other's strategies. They might be they might want to hold something back. I mean, like if they talked about their strategies openly. And Jordan feels like it's now or never and uses a strategy which Viper wanted to keep a secret. Mm, it's like, mm, hmm. Oof, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Uh, I wonder if they have some deals about that. Or maybe they have like strategies which they don't even share towards their teammates. I'm not sure. But then ooh. it's hard to trust them, right? Yeah, indeed. And who do you train with then for that strategy? Mm-hmm. You play against the bottom, <laughs> most difficult <laughs> setting. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. anyway. So in this group A, we're going to have four players that are not going to get selected to join the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who do you think those four will be? That that go through or don't get through? Oh, whatever you want. Maybe the okay. ones that don't go through. I think the the people who will have to really play their best to get further into this um, tournament will be Daniel. Mm. Um, I think he's a very good player, but he, right now he's surrounded by top tier players yes of um course. and then sito is a bit of a dark horse for me because he he's very good and i've seen him play top games but i'm not sure about if the consistency is there for him i have seen his like his um recent um winnings and he's good but is he you know that upper echelon good you know what i mean at the moment mm-hmm. he's more of a and indeed as you say a known quantity so I would praise him more on the camp that is not going to make it than the one that's Me going too. to. For Nikov, Nikov, I have the same. I think he's very good, but I think when he goes up to people like Tato, Viper, mm-hmm. Finchester, um, Doubt is, is always a coin toss. I, I feel like <laughs> Doubt can, can win to the Viper, but he might as well lose to Daniel. Yeah, what exactly. I mean with doubt is like <laughs> doubt. You cannot, you cannot be against the Lord. He has yeah. his mysterious ways of yeah. doing things. It's it's hard to predict any game because he can play like god tier or like hmm, questionable. He will always have a horrible micro. That's the, the only thing we know. No, but, but it's getting better. I think yeah, it's no. not always. Yeah. For Nikov, he he needs to have a good day to have a yeah. chance against a lot of this competition. So. We can put him in the camp of more more likely to not make it. But then who is the last one? I think this is an interesting choice. That's a, now it gets difficult. Um, for me, I'm a bit torn between Winchester and Jordan. How for this dare one. you? How dare you? <laughs> Winchester think, is yeah. my boy. You leave him yeah. alone. Okay. <laughs> yes. So you would think then, well, Viper is obviously the favorite in this group, right? Yes. So then you so. have um, Jordan, Tato, and Winchester, um, and Doubt. Yes, I think for me, Jordan has been very good lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he has a, a good chance of making it because yeah. he's, he's training as a beast as well. Um, so then I'm more split between Tato or Doubt, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I can't vote against the Lord. But I, I do love Tato, but I'm going to say Tato. I'm going to say Tato. Yeah, because Tato, I think he has very good micro. He has very good strategy. But I feel like he doesn't have the micro of Leary or the Viper. Or like the really, It's like a tiny bit slower. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a bit more predictable, predictable his play, than Doubt or also the Viper or people who like go off book. Yeah. Which is the same for Jordan, but his execution is really 
good. Yeah, he's cleaner more and more. I mean, he he can. He's definitely gonna lose a game. He's not gonna. He's not gonna go three zero or winning every match. But uh, yeah, I, I would say for me, I'm guessing Jordan Doubt, Viper, and Winchester are passing. Yeah. Okay. Then for me, I would say Jordan, um, Viper because I'm sure <laughs> that's a safe pick, <laughs> uh, and then. Uh, I think Tato will go through. And then, yeah, Winchester might go, but Sito, I'm also... I'm going to say Sito. Okay. Just because I'm also... Okay, interesting. Looking for, yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone write it down on predictions. No, we'll listen back <laughs> and see how well he did. Um, no, moving on. Group B. Uh, of course, we already listed all the players, so you should know who is in this group. But just for, <laughs> to help you, we'll uh, repeat them. So Group B, B contains ACCM, Kapoch, Hera, Leary, MBL, Valas, Velesse, and Yo. So again, going to start off with the same question. Four people are advancing to the playoffs. Well, no. First, before we start with that, maybe let's discuss the group in, in general. I think this group is a little bit mm, less, how you say, difficult. And that's a word to say. First of all, there's no gamer legion people here, mm -hmm. which are always, they, you know, they're going to go to the boot camp, they're going to prepare strategies, mm -hmm. but there's very strong individual players here. Mm. Yeah, I think Yo, Liri and Hera are all considered to be like in the top three. Mm -hmm. Along with the, it's like it's always a discussion I feel between four or five players, and these three are always in the discussion. Yeah, yeah, they're all beasts in their own way, you know. These these three, uh, they have very different styles. I would say hey, they're very different players, but they all are very very good. Um, yeah, and then, and then you have MBL, which is you know, <laughs> yeah, Hera needs to be afraid of him, <laughs> uh, <laughs> considering last uh, Red Bull event, oh. which was also a massive moment. Yeah, it was nice to see. Uh, MBL, I think everybody loves him. He loves the game. He plays that much. He's really good with Manganel Micro, mm. but he's maybe not a top tier uh, player um, for strategy or for diversifying his play. But he's got um, the heart. He never gives up. Yeah, he's a hardcore player. Exactly. Do you think he's not going to make it in the, out of this group then? Well, then the question is, who do you think will struggle the most of the other ones? Because there's a lot of, like, Hera, Liri, Yo, okay, they're favorites. And then... ACCM, I'm not convinced that he has what it takes to move on. He's, he's a good player. Hmm. Um, but the competition is murderous, no? In the, at this level. Yeah, and I, I I think he's really good in team games as well, mm -hmm. or like more different style maps. I, I haven't seen him shine as much on Empire Wars or Red Bull events before, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to say he doesn't advance. Kapoch, I've seen him do very well in Empire Wars before. He has made it. He has made it to, to the playoffs before. Yeah. Uh, so he, he does have it in him. Of course, I think the competition, I mean, has increased since then, right? Yeah. And also, Empire Wars used to be like a, a special thing, which was only for Red Bull. Right now, we've had it on the ranked uh, ladder for a year. And I think a lot of players are more mm. adapted to it. And maybe it fitted his playstyle more. But the other ones have already found their way of adapting yeah, to Yeah, I think now everybody comes very, very yeah. prepared, maybe more than before. So, yeah, I agree. 
in 2020 or 2021, it was like when it was really new, he was certainly way better than he was in the other tournaments, mm. I felt. Like it really suited him. And I'm not so sure if it will. But no, but I agree with you. He he has the potential, but I'm not so sure about him. No, I agree. I don't think Kapush uh, will make it as well out of this group. Now, moving on, Hira, the Canadian with uh, quite a history <laughs> in Red Bull. I think I won't surprise anyone when I say he will not make it to the finals. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it depends if Leary, if Leary is there. He's definitely not going to yeah, win the finals. But it's a group stage. So <laughs> I think it's just like depending on their basic um, but performance. The, so The thing with Hera, he was gone for a while, you know, trying to make it in Age of Empires 4. Um, but yeah, he came then back. League of Legends as yeah, well. Exactly, yeah. League of Legends. That was in a, quite an interesting phase. But Hira, he is not to be underestimated. He has the determination to train, yeah. train, train. I, I don't know if he's training with Leary like he normally does. Mm -hmm. But uh, those two always come out to these tournaments to play. And they play very, very serious. Like I think there was a one Red Bull where he literally went 3-0 every round until he lost... In the finals to Leary, yeah. he literally yeah. smashed everybody. So yeah, Hira. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna move on. I have no doubt. He's gonna move on. But about Hera, I also think like he's a better RM player maybe than he's an Empire Wars player. I feel, and he's. I think he's um, matured a lot in his gameplay. He always was fast. He always was good. But I've seen him do some some new things, like not just go hussar or like <laughs> he he really thinks about his games, and I, I feel like he really has a, a very calm and intrigued mindset about improving mm. all the time, and also because his tournament performances, I feel he really deserves uh, a big win. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I um, hope he advances. We'll see at the end. Now I have to say one one little thing. I was recently watching him train Empire Wars, and the things I saw him do in Empire Wars, he was castling against an opponent that had a big crossbow army, bunch of knights with it, mongonels or two, yeah. and he just had like maybe eight, maybe ten elite skirms and a monk or two, and somehow he managed to hold, wipe that army. I think he added a mongonel at some point, but wipe that army. And win the game, you know, like the, it's just he's becoming in that viper tier where he's like defending himself with just a minimum, like a shoestring and a, mm -hmm. some tape, and that makes him his eco grow until he can just push out and win the game. So, yeah, I'm excited for Hera this this one. I think he has a good shot. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's more more and more versatile. I feel um, like he's a good defender and a good aggressor. Interestingly enough, Leary, uh, moving on. Leary, famous for his extremely powerful and deadly Archer Micro, you know, mm -hmm. he's the man yeah. famous for his fast imp into Arbalest, into GG. So remember that pin I put uh, in the beginning of the episode? I'm going to unpin it. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to deposit this statement. Out of all the pros, Leary is going to be the most affected by the change in the recent patch with the rebalancing of archers what do you uh, think the extra costs what do you yeah. think um probably because if i'm honest i can't remember any game i've seen from leary where he was not playing archers so he will i will have seen games where mm. he's not playing archers but you didn't remember but those or you know? yeah i don't remember those and they're, they're definitely like 
I think nine out of ten times he will probably go archers, right? I don't no, think I, so. I, actually, I, I think it's just no? skewed in our minds, you know, because he's so impressive that it sticks in your minds when he plays archers. But I do think he's not a one-trick uh, pony, and he can no. play other strategies. Yeah. I just think that he is the one that excelled at the archer micro strategy. And he's going to feel it the most. Yeah, it's not just a micro. What what was really sick with Leary was that he was very aggressive and with his micro, but on the same time, his eco balance was exactly set to click Castle H before the opponent. To always like he always mm. was like a bit before. Mm. He had his upgrades a little bit sooner. He had and mean in the meantime he was still microing. So then it might be right that the extra cost might um change his, his build a bit. Mm. But he's he's really clean just in his gameplay. Yeah, it's but just, imagine if you've been yeah. playing years and you get these kind of feelings of how to balance everything. Then they change the price, even just, you know, the little increase in crossbow. He's the one that's going to feel that the most because he must have been streamlining this for years how, you know, based on feeling. So I just think that's why I say he's the most affected by the change. I don't think it yeah. means that he's... He, I think he's still going to make it out of the groups no no problem i even think but i think that, that we're gonna see if that has an impact on him or not i think for leary what the reason why i i'm not sure if he is one of the favorites to win what once he makes it out of the group is more um like what you said but also the maps because i feel there's a lot of variation on the maps here and i'm not so sure if leary is as good in at adapting to different situations than the others but he's still one of the yeah yeah he's still leery i mean yeah. have you seen he's been i think number one or number two in every red bull Wallolo tournament besides the first one so i mean empire wars is really suited for him as well like the early aggression the he is a very good player to mm. to to be the aggressor really and to still maintain good control about his macro and yeah yeah it's interesting but let's say we put him down as passing to the playoffs right yeah i would put him before Hera, i think yeah yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> as is tradition mbl yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already discussed mbl right we started with him uh, i i root for him i'm not so sure wait, wait let's let's get back to him after we discussed the last three yeah uh, valas I mean, I'm, I'm, I like seeing him play. I think he, he, you know, he impressed me in the, um, what was it, team tournament again? Uh, oh, what was it, team uh, tournament again? Where he, it was, and it was a King of the Desert? No, the single one. King of the Desert, where you saw, I remember a yeah, game, King of I the think Desert. I've seen him first. Wasn't he also in the T91? Um, yeah. yeah. Nomad, yeah. Uh, like the, yeah. what was it? Yeah, one Nomad tournament. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah, I remember him mainly from King of the Desert. I thought he was very good. But um, I don't know that much about his, his play style, I think. I always thought of him as a bit of a mini Leary, you know? Like, I don't know why. I just see him as like a similar style, but just a little bit under Leary. I don't know. Uh, I think he is more um, out of the box sometimes than Leary. But maybe mm. that's because he's not at a top, top level. He, he plays meta a lot, but I think I've seen some games from him where he's like he can be surprising. Mm. Like, which Leary, with Leary, I've seldom, I've rarely seen games with Leary where Leary did something unexpected as a viewer. Like, you, uh, yeah, but do you think he's gonna pass in this group? Fallas? No, no, I also don't think so. 
No. That's nothing against him. I just yeah. No, no, no. I, I would be happy for him, but uh, yeah, I don't think his chances are that good. A player that I think we shouldn't underestimate is the next one, though. Velesse. Like, yeah. he continuously impresses me with his performance, playing standard, playing strange situations. He mm-hmm. he He's really been improving a lot, I, f- I feel. What do you think? Historically, he's also done well in the previous Red Bull events. He Mm. has been in most of them, I think, um, and also finals. He might not be like the big winner of a lot of tournaments, but he's very consistent. He's often top, top, you know, top eight, top, top four, maybe sometimes, you know, like. Yeah, I, I see him easily passing actually to playoffs. For me, it's it's between him and then. Yeah, uh, I think. Veles, MBL, or Kapoch. And I'm a bit torn in between them. I think Veles might have statistically the best odds. But I'm not so sure if Kapoch will surprise us. And MBL, he's a bit like what I said about doubt. He could be magnificent. Mm. Um, and he could might even win against Hera, as he did last time. But he might as well lose uh, against Falas. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like... Well, I, hmm. He will always be entertained. I think that's the main thing with NBL. Will be good games, yeah. So Yo, I think is a bit of the big fish now as well in this group. Yeah, he's definitely one of the favorites. I think Yo and Leary, or Hera. Yeah. Yo is one of those guys that's always in the top, top, top two. Sometimes playing finals a lot, uh, semifinals. I think Yo has won a Red Bull. I mean, it was the first one, but he smashed Viper four zero, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that actually basically made him retire no okay that's way too much <laughs> <laughs> but no but you <laughs> you yeah. is a is a was known as the viper killer for a while. that was a like, big moment because viper won everything always which mm-hmm. he participated in and then suddenly he lost the final 4-0 it was like what and they called yes. him mr 4-0 instead of mr yo as well <laughs> it, was, it was awesome so yeah i think he was known as the viper killer but now yeah. he's more of a I, I think actually in a big tournament, I don't remember which one, he lost to the Viper not that long ago. So I, th- yeah. Yeah. And also, I think that's both the Viper's play as as well as it was Yo's play. I think both of them were like, um, I think Yo is definitely one of the top players, but the Viper at the time maybe wasn't in his best form yeah, and definitely yeah. not for Empire Wars where it's really fast. I just think that Yo in general, I see him now as more of a, overall good player you know before he was just known as the viper killer but now he's he just, plays everything yeah, he's just a solid player who's going to make it to the playoffs for sure yeah um i think i i i really like you have you seen um mr yo's um his his uh, profile picture in no. the rank pools or on this thing it's um i don't know if, if we will include this in the podcast but i will um it's mr yo but written like Pornhub, like the, the orange <laughs> and the, like, and that's his official really? profile picture on the ranked. If you look up, up on the ranked pool, you see oh, everybody's checking. profile picture. Oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a great guy. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think coming down to it, I would say my four players that are going to go through from group B are Hera, Leary, Vilesse, and Yo. I'm putting it down. Those are my four. What are yours? Uh, the same, except I will um, 
trade Velasse for MBL. I think Whoa. MBL will go through. I respect it. I respect it. Before we we end about Group B, there's one matchup on the opening rounds which I'm really looking forward to in Group okay. B. Can you guess okay. which one it is? Uh, let me look. Let me look. Opening rounds in Group B. It has to be Hera MBL, of course. The big rematch. <laughs> Because that was such a big moment um, in Red Bull Five, where Hera didn't make it to the finals, or was 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 it before no, the finals it was or the, in the finals? the quarterfinals. Final. Yeah, he didn't make it to the semis, and no one expected MBL to win that game, and somehow he did. And he, MBL he, didn't expect to win that game. Yeah, yeah, you could see it on his face, <laughs> and that's the fun thing about the LAN event and the camera. You can really see the players' reaction. Yes. Also, Hera's disappointment, but uh, yeah, uh, for MBL it was such a big moment i mean hera is used to disappointment at this point and oh, mbl oh. <laughs> 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 no it was actually a very nice moment to see mbl smile and then how happy he was he was surprised yeah but i think this yeah it's a symbolic one on the 21st of october the first match it's a uh, one to look out for well we'll end up uh recapping uh where and wh when to watch it before we move on to that let's just end up with our global winners yeah pen who is your tournament winner and why well um only one name then i need to look at both groups yeah only one name yeah do you know who my favorite player is in general normally uh, i think you should mm, no i don't know i think maybe your favorite in general uh, tattoo maybe no, I'm a big Viper fanboy. Oh, you're yeah, a Viper yeah. fanboy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Viper fanboy. <laughs> so mainstream. Um, yeah, but in this tournament, uh, oh, I'm not so sure. I think Viper is back. His wrist is, is healed. I believe in him. So I would say my favorite to win will be the Viper. The Viper, what a daring statement. But I think it is daring considering his... Uh, but he won Red the last Bull. one. Yeah, yeah. He literally won the last <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was quite close, right? His yeah, final. Yeah, 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 I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, okay. But I'm gonna say the Viper, and I'm actually rooting for him. Yeah, I understand. Uh, my tournament winner is Leary. I know I, uh, I give him the most uh, criticism mm -hmm. about this change, but if you look at his <laughs> track record, first or second in each Red Bull that he participated in, I think. That just means that this, yeah, he knows what he's doing in Red Bull, mm -hmm. and I just I think he he's ready to surprise us again. Uh, I'm just wondering if he's gonna change his style and become uh, inspired by Hera and just flood Hussars Hussars yeah. each game. Hussars. Yeah. Um, so that that's Leary. Mm -hmm. That's my pick. Very very boring as well. Yeah, it's it's more predictable his play, but it's just try and stop it. <laughs> you know, it's, exactly. it's, it's your phrase. And is there anyone because those were the ones we think are our favorites to win, like our mm -hmm. champions or whatever? Is there anyone you would be rooting for, not because you think they're gonna win, but because you really would like it if they won? Like the person you would be happiest for? Is it the surprise if I say Winchester is the one <laughs> that's going to? I would, <laughs> I would. He yeah. deserves to win so much. I mean. Winchester, he's been playing very well recently. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you if you know, but he he got first place in the uh, T90 Titan League, 
he got top four in Wandering Warriors. Was that Platinum Edition he got first place? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He got Whoa. first place in the United T- Titan League. Okay, maybe Whoa. there were some pros that didn't take it as serious, but yeah. still, still. He, he's been on his, his grind lately. He's improved a lot, and most of all, his attitude. Like, I don't know if you've seen, but he loses the quarter fi- uh, semifinals in Wandering Warriors, mm-hmm. and he immediately mm-hmm. goes to to like a, a casting with Memp and he's so chill you know what I mean like yeah. he's funny he doesn't he's, he doesn't take himself too seriously but he's very competitive so yeah I just think his attitude is is what what won me over and I hope he does very well or even wins it that's my underdog pick mm-hmm. yeah I think for me well all of these players I think deserve would deserve a very good result and I would be happy for them but for me in particular um i would um be happy for hera if he got a big win here just because mm-hmm. if you look at his tournament results they're like with all the time he spends grinding the ladder really investing into these things and then the results are usually not what he had hoped for it's always these disappointments and i really want him to earn big this time and especially because like when everyone moved away from Age of empires two to four and then he was even going to league of legends he was a bit like mm. i felt like he might have lost his drive or his his, his passion and i mm. think now he's back and he's really yeah investing a lot of his time and energy back into it and i would really yeah be happy for him if it if he really got his results this time but, but it's hera is and, he yeah. is he ready at this point though i'm gonna play devil's advocate like he used to be on the top edge of the most competitive person yeah. and he was always I mean, a couple of times in the final with his testing teammate Leary so you could say that as the as a group as a as a team they won a couple of mm-hmm. red bulls because they were always in the final together uh, but now he's coming back up from from going down so do you think saying at this point he's a candidate to win it's quite a bold statement but for such a long time if you're not just looking at Red Bull, but also like at Hidden Cup or the other big tournaments, he was always doing so good and he was always like mm, falling just, just short. short. And that's, yeah, I I'm, I don't think he has the biggest chances. I think there's a few people in between him and my absolute favorite, the Viper, to win. Mm. But if Hera would win and really step up his game, I think I would be happier for him than I would be for anyone else. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... Uh... Valid point. Um, Okay. Now, moving on. I think uh, you you already mentioned your match to look out for, which was Hera versus MBL. Um, So where can they see it? And yeah, how? Um, Sorry, which date and where can they see it? Yeah. So the tournament starts on the 21st of October. So that's actually, well, depending on when this podcast will air, uh shortly in certain amount of days <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably um a week or less i think it will be <laughs> so uh, it's or, tomorrow tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> tomorrow yeah or, or yesterday you can watch the, the video <laughs> no but um normally um the it will be hosted by red bull itself and they have a youtube and i think they are on twitch as well um yeah. there's a lot of streamers you can look it up on the official page from red bull which we will link in the description but um, last time I just looked at it on, it was live on YouTube. And if you're looking at a lot of Age Vampires videos, it should automatically pop up on your home screen. Of course, what would any tournament be without its uh, broadcasting team? 
So for Red Bull Wallolo Legacy, they've brought a lot of talent uh, to the show. Your host will be the lovely Australian, Riley Knight. Mm -hmm. He's a relative newcomer. Uh, I've seen in his work before. Uh, he's an absolute joy to see. And, and I think he's really embracing the game. Uh, and it's great to see. Then we also have a roving reporter. So that's uh, Ellie. She's going to be interviewing the players in the lounge and just kind of yeah, roving around interviewing people. Very nice to see. We'll give some... Uh, variation in the type of uh, commentary we'll get. Then we're, they are also working with an observer, uh, Mapu TV. So an observer is someone that's going to uh, help the commentators uh, not miss any of the action. It's someone that's responsible for zooming around the map, making sure the casters can, you know, sp focus on their casting and they don't have to spend their time looking around. Mm -hmm. For the casting themselves, there are four main English commentators. They are Nilly, Dave, Memp, and T90. And as I understand it, they will be casting in different combinations. So we will see the famous T90-Dave uh, combo. But don't forget, there might be some other interesting combinations. Personally, I'm quite a fan of Nilly and Dave for the chaos they bring. <laughs> yeah. um, and of course, our Spanish uh Commentator's squad is also present. Uh, we have Nacho and Mario. I think there are also other language uh, options available. And for that information, I would direct you to the Liquipedia page of Red Bull Wallow Legacy if you wish to see if, if the tournament is being covered in your native tongue. Now, I wish everybody good luck uh, and I'm sure they'll give us quite a good show. Yeah. Hopefully, again, we'll see them in their... Uh, medieval costumes as they did last time quite a show yeah quite a show indeed that was just awesome mm. now for the pe people who are maybe less um uh wait let me say this for the people who are less used to watching these kind of tournaments we just want to highlight this is the tournament to watch if you're going to watch only one tournament watch red bull world legacy because mm. we've both been watching all the the previous editions and the first couple were during the lockdown period. So they did a lot of them in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, very hyped tournaments, a lot of viewership uh, as well. But the last edition was something special, right, uh, Pen? Yeah. Uh, Red Bull World 5, can you please say what did you think of, of the location? The same one we're going to this year. It was awesome. It's in Heidelberg Castle. So it's actually a LAN event in a medieval castle. Um you and red bull they also they add these like you have a lot of tournaments and they they tell you a lot um, about what's what you can expect but red bull they go the extra mile they make these videos like people are dressed up in villagers in uh jesters um and then a lot of videos introducing the players and they're they're even riding horses like there was a video of viper and 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 i think jordan riding a horse it's like it might be a bit gimmicky, but it's like entertainment. It's like, it's not just the matches. It's it's a big show, you know? Yeah, it's indeed. the only one, the only big tournament which does that. You have the player interviews, which you have in a lot of tournaments. But yeah, you, you can actually see 
everything. You can see the players prepare, you can see them um, drawing their um, sifts and their maps, then you see them play, you can see their reactions, and you have the interview, and it's always something's going on, and then you get these little videos in between, so yeah. Exactly, those drone shots of the entire castle get you so into the mood of a medieval uh, like war game. Uh, plus the fact that you know, choosing your sieves, choosing your maps is done with physical props, mm -hmm. beautifully made uh, uh, icons of the sieves. Uh, the maps have their own little icon. It's tactile. They're just in front of each other. Separated by a table, you have the whole mind games, the, the vibe. It's and you have and their little books. Yeah. They write them down. You can see them writing down yeah. the strategies, checking it out. It's like you have the full vision of what's going on with the players. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's something in the air. It's just incomparable to uh, a tournament that's played online on a computer. This this LAN event is, has that special edge, and mm -hmm. yeah, as you said, everything around it, the host, the commentators. Red Bull that spends money uh, and everything else. It just yeah. it's the event to watch, and I recommend all our viewers to do so. Um, in order to actually help you stimulate this uh, proposal, we actually have something we want to offer to our viewers. We want we have our little Discord channel up and running at this moment, and we would like to invite all of you listeners to please join the discord if you wish we'll have a link in the description um and yeah it will be a place where we can live commentate like we can chat uh during the matches see maybe have a you know play a group uh, group game every now and then if uh, if we want to afterwards yeah. uh, and also place, yeah yeah, we told you about our favorites. If you disagree with us or if you have like your own favorites, just post it in there. Just beware that the Red Bull uh, page will be uh, spoiler, how do you say, unfree? Like, uh, it will be, it will be spoiler filled. Yeah, it will be live. If you're not live, then don't check that page because we will just allow everyone mm -hmm. to say whatever about yes. the ongoing tournament. Exactly. But yeah, so feel free to participate in uh, discussing and uh, and uh, criticizing us for our uh, terrible picks uh, as yeah. winners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think with that, uh, we've come to the end of our show. Um, I do want to quickly end with a little bonus content. Uh, I don't know if you're in the mood for it, uh, Pen, but... I, I'm curious, mostly, because I have no idea what this is going to be about. So the whole cast and the whole podcast is focused on Age of Empires 2. But we did mention there is an Age of Empires 1 and 4 tournament uh, happening at the same time. Now, I, I, we won't discuss too much in detail, but I just want to discuss the Age of Empires 1 tournament with you, Pen. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about it? Well, I know that it's, um, I think it's only invitations and it's only people from Vietnam. Because apparently mm. in Vietnam... The Age of Empires 1 community is massive. And I've even heard that like um, the viewership there could go over 100k sometimes for tournaments. So it's like extremely big, apparently, but mm -hmm. very regional. And if I'm not mistaken, but correct me if I'm wrong, are they still playing on one of the original versions instead of the definitive edition? Exactly. So in Vietnam, <laughs> they're actually playing the, uh, the Rise of Rome, I guess. Is that the first expansion? That's they're playing a, on yeah, yeah. the expansion. That's the first game. Uh, they're playing this expansion. Uh, so I think the fact that the hardware is maybe less the easily available in Vietnam 
they've chosen these old type easy to run video games and for some reason uh, Age of Empires 1 has remained extremely popular in Vietnam so if you look at it the qualifiers because there's a whole process that happened before the the tournament the Red Wall tournament was played half of the games in the original game so half of the games were played on original uh, version and half on the Age of Empires 1 definitive edition so they did a, a, a half and half and after a huge uh, and long um, qualifying process, only the finals will be played in the Heidelberg Castle. So mm-hmm. only two Vietnamese players were uh, invited. So they are called Bibi, and I won't maybe pronounce it, but Chim Sidinang or something like that. <laughs> so those yeah. two players uh, managed to qualify themselves to the finals, where they will play the Age of Empires 1 Definitive Edition. So we won't be seeing the original game on the the Red Bull uh, stream, but they will play the definitive edition, uh, best of nine. Do you know what they can stand to win? Um, I think the prize pool for for Age of Empires two it's two hundred thousand. So for them it should mm-hmm. be less, I suppose. Um, yeah, exactly. So the first place of these two gets twenty thousand uh, dollar. Second place ten thousand. Yeah. That's still big, I think, right? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, <laughs> uh, comparing to the average salary of a Vietnamese, do you have any idea how much they earn per per month or per year on average? Uh, I know that in Vietnam, it's like sponsored by corporate businesses who are like sponsor esports or whatever. I've heard that. So I think oh, it no, will no, be I'm just more... talking the, about the yeah. average Vietnamese, ah, not the average, average Vietnamese. Yeah, not for uh, esports. Yeah. No, 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 just the average oh, Vietnamese. I think that's massive. Yeah. So you, the average Vietnamese earns only well, less than $300 per month or three, let's say 4000 per year. So these guys, if they win, the $20,000 is literally uh, more than. Well, more than 15, uh, say 15, yeah. 15 times your salary of a year, the average yeah. salary. If you can calculate in your country, winning 15 times the average year salary, that's a huge price. That's a that's, huge price. That's sick. Yeah. So very excited for these players to, mm-hmm. to bring it. Uh, I will definitely tune in and see the Age of Empires 1 gameplay. Yeah, for me, for sure. Um... Yeah, Age of Empires 1 was the game, my first actual proper video game, which introduced me to Age of Empires. And I think before, like just in my youth, I went back to Age of Empires 1 far more than I did to Age of Empires 2. It's going to be interesting to go in blind and see what kind of strategies those top ELO players Yeah, were. just to see what's actually going on, because I played the Definitive Edition, but it's like a very dead uh, <laughs> community. Apparently, mm. you need to be in Vietnam if you still want to play the game. <laughs> So, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. you can consider it eh, at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's the end of the podcast. Do you have any other shout-outs to do? Um, maybe just in short, like H Vampires 4 will also be big, but I think you haven't watched any tournament yet in H Vampires 4. No, yeah. I've maybe watched Golden League a little bit, but not really. Yeah, I've played it when it came out, and like, I think I will look at a bit of it um, out of interest. Also, a few players, I think Viper plays in both 4 and 2, but his focus will be on 2. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, if people are interested, it will also be Age of Empires 4, but let's keep our Discord and our podcast mainly focused on Age of Empires 2. Yes. 
well, that might affect your winner pick. If the Viper's playing both in two tournaments at the same time, exhaustion could be a factor. Have you considered that? Yeah, but I've heard him speak about it. And actually, he just played Age of Empires 4 enough to qualify. Okay. And now he's he started picking it back up a bit, but his main focus and his training is all Age of Empires 2. I think just okay. by qualifying, he gets paid for Age of Empires. So actually, it might not be the most sportmanly <laughs> thing to say. I think just qualifying already gives him a paycheck and that's enough mm. for him. And I don't think he, he will and care who, too who, much. And who can blame him? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and still, it's a Viper. So without preparation or with exhaustion, he is still very good. I would hope that he doesn't jeopardize his Age of Empires to play for uh, four. <laughs> well, everything is to be seen. Uh, well, to all our listeners, if there's any uh, feedback you want to give on the episode, feel free to do so. Um, and let us know what you want us to discuss next. We might do a recap of uh, of the Wollo tournament in our next episode. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And see which of our predictions actually came true. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening and taking the time out of your day to uh, spend with us. And uh, Pen, uh, thank you for joining us as well with the discussion. You're very welcome. <laughs> okay, then here we let you go. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye.